Welcome to Passion Life Church. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast today. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different. We're actually in a studio today uh, with a good friend, Ryan, from Passion Life Church. You want to say, hey, Ryan? Hey. <laughs> and uh, we're in his studio recording. We're a portable church at Passion Life Church, and sometimes things just don't go as planned. And uh, unfortunately, the audio file from the message uh, didn't rec- get recorded as well as we thought. So we'll do something a little different. We definitely wanted to get the message out to you because we know that so many of you are listening. And so welcome uh, to the podcast. And just want to let you know some things that are happening at Passion Life Church. A lot of times in the podcast, you don't get to hear our announcements, but we're so excited about this summer and we have some super natural nights planned with some guest speakers who are coming in and we're so excited to have Dr. Michael Maiden with us on Sunday, July 29th, 5 p.m. at uh, Vista Marietta High School here in Marietta, California. It's a free event. There'll be childcare. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to come. Also on August 5th, which is a Sunday, Sunday evening, August 5th at 5 p.m., we have Tim Story. Tim Story is an amazing world-renowned life coach to many celebrities. He just started a church in Yerba Linda, California. And uh, I'm telling you, these men of God are amazing. We're going to have a special time. We also have scheduled a special uh, Sunday morning service at 10 on July 29th with Rex Crane. Rex Crane was a former Boston Red Sox baseball player, and he actually left professional baseball to help people. He's also a life coach to many entertainers. He'll be here on July 29th in the morning to our 10 a.m. service. So if you're in the area in Marietta, I would love for you to come by and uh, experience one of these supernatural Sundays. It's going to be amazing. We're in this series that we've entitled Fruitful, and uh, we got the title from John chapter 15, verse 8, and it says this, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Jesus says that he wants his disciples to bear much fruit. I think it's so important that us as children of God get that in our in our thinking that God wants us to think big. He wants us to bear much fruit. And when you live a life that abides in Jesus, and that's what Jesus said in John chapter 15, that if we'll abide in him, that word abide there, means to make our dwelling place, to rest in him, that when we abide, that we rest in him, he is the vine and he is the source. And when we abide and rest in him, he resources the branches. That's us. We are the branches. And the fruitful life is an amazing life. I personally think it's the best life. It's a life that's connected to Jesus. It's a life that uh, is fully alive. You know, so many people, I believe, are just existing. They're not excited about their life. There's no fulfillment in their life. But the fruitful life is a life that's fully alive. It's a life that's growing. It's flourishing. I think it's funny how we only think about growing on New Year's Eve. You know, we think about the new year, but we need to live a life that's growing. You know, the fruitful life, it's a life that's fulfilling its purpose. And I think that's why it's so satisfying because it's really a life that's being effective. But my favorite thing about this is that Jesus says that when we live a fruitful life, that it's a life that glorifies God. That actually can, people can see the fruit in our lives and know that God's presence is evident in us. And that's why we've been saying in this series that fruit is always the outward expression of the inward life. In other words, fruit always comes from the inside 
out. And since God wants our life to reflect his nature, what he's done is he's put his Holy Spirit inside of us. If you've asked Jesus to come inside your heart, if you've repented of your sins and said, you know, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. What he does is he puts his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to produce fruit in your life. Paul talks about this kind of fruit that he's going to produce in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit in the Greek language, which is the language of the New Testament, the word fruit actually means acts and deeds. So I could read it like this. The fruit of the Spirit, or I could read it like this. But the acts and the deeds of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So when you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, these are actually the characteristics of how God operates. And they're inside of you. We have to choose, though, to walk by his spirit and not walk by the flesh. You know, you are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, mind, will, and emotions. And you have a body, which the Bible calls your flesh. Now, the spirit wants to produce love and joy and peace and all of these fruits in your life, yet it has to pass through your soul, your mind. This has got to be a choice. This isn't just God doing this in your life. This is you choosing to walk by God's spirit. I just want to remind you again that his spirit wants to produce these in your life and they are inside of you. What's amazing about all of these fruits is that they work together to produce the character of Jesus in your life. And so today I want to talk about patience. The Bible calls it long suffering in some translations, and we're definitely going to look at that today. But what is patience and how does it work? I think patience for me is the most challenging one out of all the, the fruits. And I think patience is interesting because you have it, yet when there's an opportunity to use it, you sometimes would rather just ignore it and do your own thing. Because I've never met someone that says, you know, Phil, I love patience, yet we need patience. I don't know if you've ever had one of those days where the alarm clock didn't go off. You already are running behind. You grab a breakfast bar. Or maybe you don't really eat at all, but you get your coffee. You always make sure you get your coffee. That's what I'm like. I'm a, like, I'm not leaving without my coffee. But you're headed out the door. You think you're ready. And all of a sudden you hear this little voice that says, Dad dad you didn't give me a hug and and there you turn around and you go back to your your child to give him a hug because in your mind you're thinking if I don't give him a hug he's going to grow up and think that his dad doesn't love him he's gonna have to go through years of counseling yada 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 but you're like okay I'm gonna hug this kid you hug this kid you finally get in your car you take off spill a little bit of your coffee on your clothes but yet you're so happy to get on the road then as you get on the road, you hit every red light known to mankind. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. After you get through all the red lights, you finally get on the freeway. You're like, yes. And then there's this nice big semi truck that crosses into your lane. In front of that semi truck is a huge dump truck. And in front of that dump truck is another semi truck. And they are going too slow. And you do not want to hear the word patience at that time. You know, USA Today ran a story and they found 
that running red lights injures a quarter of a million people every year and kills at least 800 people a year just running red lights. Another article stated that just running red lights racks up about an estimated $7 billion in property damage, medical bills, lost productivity, and insurance hikes. Can you imagine that? I think it's because we're in a society that we hurry for everything. We have an instant everything, and we're not willing to wait the slightest amount of time for anything, especially when it comes to technology. I think our mindset when it comes to technology is I'm just going to think it, click it, download it, think it, click it, download it. And I think what has happened is that mindset has crept into our relationship with God. God, I want it now, even with patience, like the guy who prayed, God, give me patience and I need it now. And yet God has given you patience. So let's define it. One of the versions in the Bible says it's long suffering, but the biblical meaning of patience is this. Patience is endurance, consistency, steadfastness, perseverance, especially as shown in bearing troubles and ills that only comes from the Holy Spirit. In other words, patience is not a human quality. This doesn't come naturally to anyone. I've never met anyone that says, oh, sure. Yeah, I love being patient. It's easy for me. No, it's not a natural. It's not a natural trait. It's a trait of God himself. God is patient. I love what Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, because it talks about how God is consistent. He's steadfast. That's what patience is. God never runs out of endurance. He never grows weary. He always perseveres. You know, verse 28 says, have you not known? Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth? He does not grow faint, grow weary. Aren't you glad we have a God who never grows faint. He never gets weary. Ooh, I'm excited about that. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. God never gets weak. God never gives up. God never faints. Never, never. Now people, people get weak. People give up and people faint. And here's the great news. God gives power to the faint and to the weak by giving you patience. The purpose of patience is to give you the endurance that you need to be consistent no matter what you're going through. See, the Christian life it's a marathon race. It's not a sprint. For a marathon, you need endurance. You know, as a pastor, I've met so many people in my years of pastoring who start off with such faith in God and they have such zeal for God. And they're like, pastor, I'm so excited. You know, I want to start doing this and I want to do that. And then I, I don't see him again in two months. It's like they had this zeal, but they couldn't maintain it. They just fizzle out. They're a sprinter. You know, if you've ever been to the San Diego Zoo, they do this thing called the cheetah run. They bring out a real live cheetah. And yeah, you're right there. You can see him and they have him do a run. They have this little ball on a, on a rope and they, they let the rope pull the ball. And uh, that cheetah 
will chase that ball. But it's said that the cheetah can run up to 70 miles an hour in four seconds. 70 miles an hour in four seconds. But did you know the cheetah can only run that fast for about 30 seconds? For about 30 seconds. And see, if we're going to accomplish what God has for our lives, you're going to need endurance for this marathon race, for the race that God has for you. So what does patience really do in our life? Maybe you're here and you're listening to today's podcast and you're believing for a breakthrough in your life in some area that uh, just hasn't happened yet. Or maybe you have some unfulfilled dreams that you're working towards and you just haven't seen the manifestation of that. And, you know, you're like, come on, Phil, patience is a waste of time. It's really a waste of time. I think we say that because we don't really understand what it is and how it works for us. And so what I wanted to do today is give us three ways that patience works in our lives. And these three ways, I think, really help us in three areas of our lives. Those three areas are God's plan for our lives in the area of problems and also in the area of people. So how does patience work? Here's number one. Patience protects you from running ahead of God's timing. See, I think many people think that God's just not moving fast enough in their lives. Now, I don't think we would say it, but I think we do think sometimes our timing is better than God's timing. I think that's what we think. And we think our timing, we know what's best for our lives. But yet God, his timing is the best timing. Now, God's never late, yet he's rarely early. I think you can agree with me on that. But his timing is always the right timing. Here's what I found out about God. God works in two ways, slowly and suddenly. We have a microwave mentality, I think, a lot of times when it comes to God, but yet we serve a crockpot God, and he likes to work things out, and God is usually working slowly. And then when you think that he's not doing anything, then suddenly you have a breakthrough. And I love the suddenly moments. They are amazing. But most of the time, God is working behind the scenes to bring you a suddenly moment. Now, let me just say this. I'm talking about God's plan for our life. You know, I'm not talking about divine healing. You know, what's interesting is that healing was already paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. That by his stripes, we were healed. That was already taken care of. So we keep believing in that. We keep having faith in that. But I'm talking today about running ahead of God's timing for the plan of God for your life. Maybe you're single and you're waiting for that person. You're waiting for that man, ladies. Guys, you're waiting for that woman and you don't want to wait. And it's very easy to rush ahead of God's timing just maybe because you want to get married or you're in love with being in love. But God's time is always the perfect time. Let me tell you a little story about my life growing up. My dad was a pastor of a Hispanic congregation. It was a great time in our lives. Um, I, I love the Hispanic people and the culture. And, you know, uh, my dad used to preach in Spanish every Sunday. And so I learned a lot of Spanish and I love their praise and worship. And there was a time where it was time for me to go to Bible college. I had been volunteering in my father's church, doing a variety of different things, youth pastoring and so on. And but I felt like it was time for me to go to, to, to Bible college. So I went to Christ for the nations in Dallas, Texas. And, um, it was an awesome time in my life. I was there for about two and a half years. I didn't go to Bible college because I wanted to be a pastor. I went to Christ of the Nations because I just wanted to find out more about God. I felt like 
if I'm going to believe this stuff, I really want to know and have a great foundation of what I'm believing. Well, two years went by really fast and it was time for me to decide what I was going to do. And I had two offers uh, come my way in the area of youth pastoring. One of those offers was to go to El Paso, Texas and work at a, a very large ministry at the time as maybe a youth assistant there. The other option was to move to New Jersey where my mom had relocated and uh, be a youth pastor there. It was a smaller church. Um, I'd have to be, I would actually have to volunteer there, uh, work another job. Uh, and so I was just praying and I felt like the Lord said, you know, it's not time for you to go to this mega ministry and have your own office and all those things. And not that any of those things are wrong, but it just wasn't the timing for me. I felt like God was telling me to go to New Jersey, this small church, and uh, as a volunteer, um, I would really work full-time in the ministry as a volunteer, but I also worked a full-time job. And it was there that God really prepared me for a lot of the things that uh, he would have for my future. And at that time, I really didn't know. I was working a full-time job. One of my jobs there was uh, working in a hospital. And uh I just not a hospital type of guy. I mean, even visiting people at that time or being in the hospital, it's just, it's not, it's just not me, but I had a job in the hospital. And, uh, one of my jobs was taking the patients who had expired or died. My job in the transportation department was to take them down to the morgue and, uh, and, and prepare them, uh, for the next stage of, of what, uh, they, they would go through. And I worked the night shift, so those many nights at midnight, I'm taking, you know, dead bodies down to the morgue. And I'll just never forget those days in my life because I, I realize now that God was using those times in my life to prepare me to really love and minister to people. It was many times where I would take a dead body down and one of those bodies had a uh, had died because they had AIDS. If you've never seen somebody die of AIDS and a person's face or, I mean, it really has an impact on you. And it really gave me a heart for people. It really broke my heart seeing family members come down. That was another part of my job is that once the bodies were down there and family members wanted to see those bodies, I had to go down and prepare it again and bring, you know, put a little towel behind the person's head and, uh, and the families would come in. A lot of times they were crying and, and something started to happen in me where I started to build up, uh, endurance and I, it wasn't as shocking to me anymore. And I knew at those moments that God was showing me like, Phil, you got to be tough. You got to learn how to pray for people and minister to people in the most crucial times in their lives. And so I was at this church for about five years working at the hospital and uh, building a youth ministry. Well, after five years, the church went through a building program. And unfortunately, the church uh, didn't make it and it actually closed down. And I had moved to San Diego and I really didn't know what the future held. I was just trusting God. Well, what's interesting is that the pastor in El Paso, Texas, that wanted to hire me five years before found out that I was no longer at that church. And they had given me a call. They found out where I was at and they gave me a call and they asked me to come back to interview for the youth pastor. So see that door had reopened and I went interviewed to make a long story even longer. No, I'm kidding. To make a long story, even to make a long story short, um, they hired me as a youth pastor and I was sitting at the desk one day at work and I had a friend come in who knew me. He knew my history and he came in and he sat down and he said, Hey, Phil, I just want to let you know something. I knew that they were going to hire, that they were trying to hire you. 
I knew that they were trying to hire you about five years ago and uh, you had gone to New Jersey and he just said, I'm so glad that you're here now. But I did want to tell you this. I think if you would have come five years ago, you would not be in the place that you are today. I think you would have got wrapped up on everything that happened here in the past and maybe not even be in this position today. And he said, I just believe you're here in the right timing. And see, God always has the right timing. And we need to trust God, even if it seems like it's just taking too long. And here's what I found with God. Waiting time is never wasted time with God. With God, waiting time is preparation time. And so if you're waiting, it's important how you wait. That's patience. Waiting with the right attitude. Letting God prepare you for the next moment. You know, I think about even secular artists and celebrities that are very popular today, you know, they understand waiting. They understand preparation. I was thinking about how Mariah Carey wrote her first song, I think when she was seven years old. I was watching a documentary on John Mayer one time, and he was talking about how for eight years he sat in his room every day and played his guitar. Nobody knew him, wasn't famous, but he used the waiting time as preparation time. And I really believe there's no such thing as an overnight success. You know, we say that a lot, but a lot of these people were preparing their whole life for one opportunity. And you know, John Mayer is one of the greatest musicians of our day. But when you even look in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Joseph had a dream. It took 22 years before the dream came to pass. Remember Noah? Noah built the ark. Noah, it took him about 100 years to build the ark. You know, I think about Joshua. Joshua followed Moses in the desert for 40 years before he became the next leader of Israel. And I just want to encourage you. You may be in a position right now where you're second to someone. You're not the manager. You're the assistant. And you know that things aren't going right. Here's one of the things I always like to say. You can learn a lot from people. You can also learn what not to do. And I'm sure that Joshua learned a lot from Moses in the 40 years before he became the next leader of Israel. What about Jesus? Jesus prepared 30 years for three years of ministry. And, you know, I've just watched people run ahead of God's timing and something just starts to happen. They, their finances begin to suffer. Sometimes because they're not at the right place at the right time, they'll start putting things on credit cards and their debt starts to spiral out of control. Or I've seen people get married just to get married. I've been in a ton of counseling sessions where people just say, you know, I think we just got married too quick and we really didn't think about this. And if we're not careful and we don't understand patience, patience wants to protect you from running ahead of God's timing. Here's the second thing. Patience empowers you so maturity can be cultivated in you. I was just talking about the area of God's plan, but let's talk about the area of problem. James chapter 1, verse 3 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, here's what's important to understand. Patience doesn't come from trials and tribulation. Let me say that again. 
patience doesn't come from trials and tribulations. Trials and tribulations ignite your patience. Trials and tribulation, when your faith is tested, that energizes patience. But patience doesn't come from trials and tribulations because if it did, the people who were going through the worst trials, the worst tribulations, they would be the most patient. And I don't know about you, but I haven't found that to be true. The people that I've known that's gone through a lot, usually they're not patient. Actually, usually they start to get in a hurry. They're impulsive. And so when God gave you this force of patience, he also gave you the force of faith. It's also a fruit of the spirit. And James is saying this, and here's what patience does. Whenever your faith is tested, whatever circumstances, whatever things are coming against your faith, when your faith is tested, patience gets energized. In other words, this force of patience stands up, this force that is enduring, this force that is consistent, stands up behind your faith. Why? So you don't get weary, so you don't quit. This is why the Bible says we have to let patience have her perfect work. In other words, you can just choose to quit. You can just choose to doubt, or you can choose to let patience have her perfect work. And so basically what James is saying is this. Whenever your faith is tested, know this, your endurance is rising. This is why you can have joy, because when faith is tested, guess what? You are growing because your endurance levels are growing. But I think this is also why impatient people never grow. They never grow. You know, I see people all the time. It's like God is working in their life. They don't think maybe he's working fast enough. So they won't plant themselves in the house of God or they start to get planted. And then all of a sudden they uproot themselves because they just don't feel like they're growing. Can I just encourage you? Growth takes time, but impatient people will never grow. So when your faith is tested, don't give up. Let patience work. Let me give you an example. I didn't know that as a young leader, especially when I was a young youth leader, that I would, ha I would be criticized so much, uh, not necessarily even by the youth, but by their parents, trying to help the youth and help them grow. But I just started to realize, and I heard through some of our kids, that the parents were actually talking really mean about me, criticizing me. And I was a little shocked, to be honest with you, as a young leader. And there were many days where I thought about quitting. I would tell you, at this point, my faith is being tested. I thought I was doing good, but you know what? I didn't quit. I let patience, endurance, consistency, steadfastness have its perfect work. So in those moments, I learn I can have joy. I can continue to do what I'm doing. You know why? What these people were doing were actually increasing my endurance level. Let me say it this way. What used to bother me doesn't bother me anymore. I just, like Mariah Carey says, I just shake it off. It's not a big deal. But there were things that used to really bother me. But you know why they don't bother me anymore? Because I have endurance. My endurance level has grown. That's what patience does. What James is saying is that count it all joy because when patience is working, guess what? You're being consistent. You're being steadfast. Your endurance is growing and you're going to get there 
if you let patience have her perfect work. Wow, what a good word. I'm just so encouraged today by patience. And here's the last one. Number three, patience demonstrates that love endures. This is the people part. We talked about God's plan. We talked about problems when our faith is tested. But now let's talk about patience, where the Bible also uses the word long-suffering. This has to do with people. So when patience is defined as endurance, consistency, it's really talking about problems and circumstances. But patience also refers to long-suffering. And that actually means slowness in avenging wrongs. See, God is patient. God is long-suffering with us. This is actually a description of God's character. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were honest, has God been patient with you? I wonder how many times this week maybe you've messed up. Maybe I'm talking about a big mess up thoughts. You know, the Bible says that everything that is not faith is sin. And you know what? In all that, God has been patient with you. But see, patience is actually an act of love. The Bible says that love is patient. How do I know God loves me? He's patient with me. You know, Psalms chapter 103 verse 8 says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So see, God's long-suffering with us. Now see, you have long-suffering in you. You have this spiritual force of long-suffering that can help you be patient with people. You know, for those that have a short fuse, long-suffering will take your short fuse and turn it into a long fuse. You know, I think today on this great Father's Day, we as dads, we need to be patient with our families. We need to be patient with our kids. We need to be patient with our wife when she's getting ready for those three hours. Come on, somebody. It's patience. But here's how people know that we love them. We are patient with them. And can I just remind us that this is God's expectation for you and I, that you will be as patient with others as God has been patient with you. Let me say that again. This is God's expectation, that you will be as patient with other people as God has been patient with you. So be patient with people to the extent that God has been patient with you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says this, I, a prisoner in the Lord, Paul's talking, he says, encourage you to live the kind of life which proves that God has called you. There again, he's letting us know that live a life that proves that there's fruit so people can glorify the Father. Verse 2, be humble and gentle in every way. Be patient with others and lovingly accept each other. See, I can show people that I love them by being patient with them. And I want to encourage you today. You have patience on the inside of you. Be patient with people. Let patience have her perfect work. Because when you do, people will see the fruit and glorify our Heavenly Father. I hope you receive that today. 
in Jesus' name. So thanks for listening today. I hope it was worth your time. I hope you were encouraged. And tune in next week when we continue to talk about more fruits of the Spirit. Remember, God wants you to bear much fruit. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.